Good evening. And Merry Christmas. Thank you all so much for being here. It is so good to be here with you on this night. I have spent the better part of two years preaching primarily to a camera. And so it has felt good in these last few months to actually have this divine conversation with real people. I am grateful that you are here. I thank you for coming and I thank you for wearing your mask. I thank you for understanding that while we are all over this virus, while we are all tired of mining new data and hearing about new variants, while we are all done with taking precautions, this virus is not done with us. Unfortunately, viruses don't care how we feel. They don't care what political party we belong to. They don't care whether we believe in them or not. They don't care how much we believe in Jesus. Viruses do what viruses do. And this novel coronavirus has taken so much from us. It has taken so many lives. 814,000 in the US alone. This virus has, and it continues to impact most every aspect of, my, of our lives. It's impacting my life this evening. My daughter would usually be here at the Christmas Eve service, sitting over there, taking notes on all the things I mess up in my sermon so that she can reflect them to me later. But because of an outbreak, of the Omicron variant at Cornell University a week ago, my daughter will spend Christmas isolated in a hotel room in New York. This pains my mother's heart. This time has been difficult and it also pains me that a health crisis in our nation has become polarizing. I'm sure you've seen or heard or looked on your social media and seen the shouting matches at school board meetings, seen people physically attacking employees just trying to do their job, and maybe, just maybe, you heard about the man trying to say that a thong made a mask. I don't know about you. But lately, the world seems like a very cold, very dark place. And before I go on, I want to unpack a little bit what I mean by darkness. I am not talking about the velvet dark of the night sky, nor am I talking about the nurturing darkness of the womb. I'm not talking about the deep, dark, beautiful hues of human flesh. The darkness that I'm talking about is the willful ignorance of human beings. I'm talking about the refusal of people to see what is right in front of them. I am talking about the darkness of sin, 
the darkness that makes us trade truth for a lie, that prevents us from being fully human, that keeps us from truly loving God and loving one another. And that is why this night is so important. That is why the witness that we make gathered here right now matters. We gather in the darkness, not to deny it, but to remind ourselves that it does not have the last word. One of the things that I love about the gospel according to Luke is that the evangelist takes great pains to remind us that the God who created us, the God who loves us, is a God who acts in time and space. Our God is not confined or constrained as we are by time and space, but our God is not a divine clockmaker that leaves creation to its own devices. No, our God is one who acts. The evangelist roots our redemption story in the socio-political realities of the time. Our salvation and redemption story comes in the time of empire, when Augustus was Caesar. Now, some of you may know a bit about the Roman Empire, and you may know the story of Gaius Octavius, who was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. Augustus was credited with bringing peace to a fallen republic. He brought the idea of citizenship. He brought spectacle with gladiatorial games. He instituted the first census so that he could count the subjects of his empire. He instituted taxes on provinces and occupied territories. He was crafty, not only gifted in the military arts, but he learned to broker deals with local authorities of oppressed communities, currying support under Augustus Caesar. The wealthy lived very well. The poor, not so much. You see, beneath the bright, glittering practices of the Roman Empire, there was a darkness. And the practices prompted poet Juvenal to write, just give them bread and circuses, and they will never revolt. It is into this world, into this time, the evangelist tells us that God did something outrageous. God did something absolutely subversive to the idea of empire. In a backwater province, the divine took on mortality. The infinite became human. Love became flesh. Because God loves us. God loves you. God loves me. 
regardless of our wealth or lack thereof, regardless of our ethnicity, our gender, our skin tone, our sexual orientation, our abilities or our disabilities, God loves us all. And y'all, all means all. All y'all. We are all beloved of God. This truth is one that we as humans still have difficulty accepting. We all want God to love us best. We want to claim superiority over others. We want to justify our oppression and exploitation and mistreatment. We want to justify our lack of love. We cling to illusions of power. We hoard our possessions and convince ourselves that we are more worthy than anyone else. It is the darkness that causes us to choose absurdity. But this is our truth. Darkness cannot overcome the bright love of God. The love of God always breaks through in all times and in all places. In every century, the love of God breaks through in this dark time. The love of God breaks through in radical acts of generosity, of people going above and beyond to care for others. Long ago, in 1847, the love of God broke through when a French composer named Adolf Adam took a poet by a, took a poem by a poet and winemaker, a self-professed, not very religious person named Placide Capel, and he set it to music. In 1855, a musician and Unitarian minister, John Sullivan Dwight, translated those lyrics into English. And he included this verse. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name, all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. If you recognize that as the third verse of O Holy Night, you might understand that in 1855, just five years before this nation descended into civil war, this was a scandal. And no, I'm not going to sing it for you. The choir's going to do that, and they do an excellent job. But Dwight spoke truth to a nation that had decided to justify the enslavement of human beings by telling itself that slaves weren't fully human. John, spoke, John Dwight spoke truth to good church-going folks who made their Bible Swiss cheese so that they could convince themselves that their economic exploitation was ordained by God. In the face of the big lie, 
John Sullivan Dwight proclaimed truth. In 1906, O Holy Night became the first Christmas song played on American radio. I don't know if they included the third verse. But we are blessed always that God's bright love breaks through, that there are those among us, there are those here gathered with us that point out the darkness, that remind us of the light. There are those who point out the darkness that infiltrates our hearts, our homes, and our holy places. It is often those on the margin. It is the peasant Jewish girl in the time of empire who sings the glory of God, who reminds us what it means to be blessed, even though in that world she has no power, no status, no standing. Often it is the poets and the artists and the musicians who are our most honest prophets. Last week, one of my great influences, one of my heroes died. She was a poet, a writer, an erstwhile theologian named Bell Hooks. And I learned so much from her. She coined the term womanist and insisted, unless we are hearing all voices, we are not hearing the truth. One of my favorite quotes comes from her book, All About Love. She wrote, to be loving, to be truly loving, we willingly hear the other's truth. And most important, we affirm the value of truth-telling. Lies may make people feel better, but they do not help people know love. And this is the truth. The truth that we gather here this evening to witness to. This is the truth that the world needs to hear. That the power of this world means nothing that no matter how many toys we have, if we don't have love, we have nothing. This is the truth that we know deep in our bones and the truth that every single baptized child of God is called to proclaim that God is love and that God loves us, every single one of us. And that divine love is made manifest here and now. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Unto us is born a Messiah, a Savior, Christ the Lord. And it is this unbridled, persistent, relentless, ferocious love of God that is our hope. For love is the only thing that can heal us. 
Love is the only thing that can reconcile us. Love is the only thing that can save us. And that love is here, right here, right now, for you. Amen.